Isn't it great to be in God's house again this evening? Let me get my phone out here. I've got my sermons on my, in my notes, so there we go. We're, we're, we're good to go now. You can be turning in your Bibles tonight to Exodus chapter 14. Lord, give me this sermon some time back, and I, uh, it's always a, a blessing to be able to share it, and uh, hope tonight that you will be uh, not impressed by it, but inspired by it, and may it touch your heart in the way it's touched mine. Exodus chapter 14, let's begin reading in verse 10, we'll read down through verse 18. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, and you you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the heart of the Egyptians that they shall follow them, so I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Let's stop there and go once again to the Lord in word of prayer. Gracious Father, we are so thankful to be in your house tonight. We praise you for the blessing of this beautiful day, the beautiful Lord's Day that you've granted us eyes to see and ears to hear and just the health to be a part of it. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful singing that we heard both this morning and this evening, and we ask God that it was a sweet-smelling Savior into your nostrils, and we ask that even again tonight, Lord, that as we have opened your word, that your Holy Spirit would be here in our midst to... uh, Teach us and guide us and encourage us through it. And we pray that you'll get honor and glory through all that's said here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever found yourself between a rock and a hard place? About everyone here can say yes to that, can't you? Uh, when you look at a scripture tonight, that's where the Egyptians, or excuse me, the Israelites found themselves. They had just uh, exited out of Egypt. Uh, after many uh, miraculous signs that God performed uh, through Moses to get uh, Pharaoh's attention to let them go. And uh, they, they, they thought they were scot-free. They had plundered the Egyptians actually on the way out. They had gotten everything that uh, you know, the Egyptians were so glad to get rid of them. They just gave them gold and silver and clothing and all. And uh, so they, 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 they started out the road toward the promised land. And uh, God could have taken them the easy way. But uh, he chose to take them the hard way. Now understand, they, 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 when they went to Egypt, 
430 years earlier, there were only about 70 of them. Now, estimates are they're anywhere from 1.3 to 3 million of them. Uh, if you can imagine that many uh, people and the logistics of uh, moving that many people, but uh, God used Moses to, uh, to take that uh, horde of people uh, down toward the Red Sea, and they get to the Red Sea, and lo and behold, don't have any boats to cross over. That would have been uh, an obstacle, to say the least, wouldn't it? But as they... Uh, we're trying to figure out what to do. They looked behind them and a plume of smoke was rising in the, in, in the foreground or in the background behind them. And, and it, lo and behold, it was Pharaoh and his army and his chariots chasing after them. And uh, the passage here uh, says in verse 10 that they were very afraid. Uh, rock in a hard place. Uh, you know, many times when I find myself between a rock and a hard place, it's my own doing. It's my decisions that's made that, that, that situation the way it is. And mostly my poor decisions to make that the way it is. But here the children of Israel were obedient to the commands of God. They had done exactly what God had told them to. And here they, they, predict, they presumed they were in a rock and a hard place, but they really weren't. They just thought they were. But uh, they uh, found themselves in this position. There's three things that I think that we can pull from this passage uh, this evening that will help us in our rock and hard place situations that I believe that God uh, shared here with the Israelites and theirs. First of all, uh, don't look back in fear. The children of Israel had spent 430 years in slavery. Uh, it got worse as the time went on. Their, 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 their existence was, was pretty poor. If you can imagine living in Egypt where it's pretty hot, uh, slaving under the Egyptian sun day in and day out and, 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 and meagerly getting by. And then, and then on top of that, they, they were surrounded such, by such a pagan nation. They said the Egyptians, I think, had over 800 different gods they worshipped. Uh, I think R.E. Ray, the sun god, was the uh, main god they served. So they, they, they grew, they, they, this generation of Israelites grew up in a pagan uh, country. They, 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 they were slaves. They weren't citizens. So, you know, seemingly had everything against them, but then they cried out to God. And, and, and God listened and heard from heaven and, and, and sought to use the man Moses to deliver them out of the distress. And things were going well for a time being, wasn't it? But then they hit this rock in a hard place. I think for you and I, when we get there, we don't need to do like the Israelites is to look back in fear. Don't look back in fear. Fear is a terrible emotion, isn't it? Anybody here ever been afraid? We, we get afraid. We, uh, we men are macho. We don't like to show our fearfulness, but uh, we, we're, we're fearful too. Uh, but one of the things that fear does, it, fear produces panic. Here the Israelites thought that they either they couldn't swim across the Red Sea, they couldn't make boats fast enough to get across the Red Sea. And, and the Egyptians were chasing them right up their backs, and they thought, we're surely going to die. And they began to blame Moses and said, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. Fear produces panic. My wife and I got married in January of 19. 
82. Boy, just about forgot. She's here with me tonight, by the way. Uh, that summer, a friend of mine I grew up with called and said, you want to go out and go fishing tonight? Woods Creek Lake? I said, sure. So I, I, I told Kim, I said, I think I'm going to go fishing you, tonight with Chris. You want to go? And I thought she'd say no. She said yes. I don't know. To this day, I don't know why you said yes. But uh, she, she's thinking, I don't know why either. Uh, but, but we fished all night, or fished several hours that night and off the bank. We're, off, we're, we're fishing off the bank. And uh, we, we, we decided to call it quit about midnight, and we got our tackle, and Chris was the only one that had the, the, the lantern. He, he had the light, and he was in front, and I don't, I, I don't know if I was second. I had Kim behind pulling her up the hill, but uh, all of a sudden a copperhead come off the the hill down between me and Chris down the path. And as soon as he saw that snake, he put her in B and boogied out of there. <laughs> Left Kim and I in the dark. And, and, and the fear of that, and he scared to death of snakes, but the fear of that left, left him in a panic. And he took off running up the hill, left us in the dark. But fear produces panic, doesn't it? And that's what happened here with the Israelites. They began to panic over their situation. And listen, folks, Satan wants us to panic, don't he? Because when we fear, we're not having faith, are we? Fear is the antithesis of faith. And when we, when we begin to fear, we're, we're taking God out of the picture. We're saying, okay, God, you didn't see this coming. God, you're not big enough to handle this, so I'm just going to fear. I'm just going to sit over here and tremble. The Israelites began to fear. Not only does fear produce panic, but it also paralyzes our faith. Let's look at verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? I've seen people when they get in a rock and a hard place situation, so to speak, that faith is, is not as strong as it appeared. Does that make sense? When they get to that place where God's all they have and they have no one else to rely on, either you get bitter or you get better, don't you? And I see a lot of people get bitter at God because things didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out. And here in this passage of Scripture, they, 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 their faith was paralyzed. Where, where was God taking them? Where, where had God promised to take them for centuries? Where had Moses says He was leading them? Anybody remember? Promised land. I don't know who said it, but that's correct. God was taking them to the promised land. Yeah, they hit a hiccup here, but, but God's promise is true. Guess what? God has promised you and I at the end of this life. We're going to the promised land too, aren't we? And there's going to be some bad times. There's going to be some good times. But, but God has promised He's going to get us there, doesn't He? So when things happen that's adverse in our lives, when we, when, when we get in those rock and hard place situations, don't let it paralyze our faith. Just keep trusting in God. I don't know what any of you are going through right now. Uh, I, I myself, uh, next uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm facing a partial knee replacement. Uh, I try not to limp too bad, but sometimes it gets so bad I have to limp pretty bad. But uh, today I'm having a good day. But I, I don't fear. 
the only thing I'm worried about is the doctor says I'm going to be down for about a month and can't go and do. And I'm thinking, how am I going to sit and watch television for a month? Thank God for the Western channels, all I'm not say. <laughs> but uh, uh, fear produces panic, but also paralyzes our faith. But then uh, the, the third thing it does, it pollutes our perspective. In verse 12, it, it, they say, Is this not the word that we told you, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Do you hear what they said? 430 years they were slaves, couldn't make their own decisions, couldn't decide what to do or when to do it. And when the first problem arise on the route to the promised land, they told Moses, why did you bring us out of here to die? We would rather have been slaves in Egypt. We told you not to bring us out here. Sound like a bunch of Baptists to me, don't you? Why have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? But verse 12, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They would rather trade their freedom in God, going to the promised land, because fear was standing in their way. You see, sometimes God puts obstacles in our lives to make our faith better, doesn't it, stronger. I've learned, and I'm still learning, but I've learned a lesson over the years, is that I rarely learn anything about God on the mountaintop. Now, don't get me wrong, I love mountaintops. I love when I'm spiritually high. I love when there's there's worshiping and, and praising God and everything's going well. But you know what I've learned more about God? It's when I'm in that deep, dark valley. Because when I'm in the deep, dark valley, I'm on my knees, flat on my face, crying out to God, asking Him to save me. Uh, you, you know, when you're there and you have nothing else you can do but look up, then, then you're going to cry out to God. And God has revealed Himself more to me in the valley when, when the, I had no one else to depend upon but, him, but God Himself. God has shown Himself that He is able if you remember, you rewind back to Mount Sinai and Moses at the burning bush. And he said, who should I tell him that, that sent me? And he said, tell him I am. The great I am. He's everything in him. That's all we need is, is God. So whether it's good times or bad, God's all we need. So don't let fear produce panic. Don't let fear Paralyze our faith and don't let fear pollute our perspective. So don't look back in fear is the instruction that we're getting from God's Word tonight about Exodus chapter 14. But even more, let's read verse 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. First, don't look back in fear, but second, look up in faith. God's sometimes the last resource that we use, isn't He? We'll call a trusted friend, we'll, we'll get advice from somebody off television. Sometimes we use God as that in case of emergency. We pull the red handle. He should be our first 
person we go to, isn't he? But he, he, he encouraged, Moses encouraged the Israelites here, first of all, don't be afraid. But second of all, stand still. I watched these two little boys up here while the choir sing. I love little kids. I, 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 we had two boys, uh, got a grandson and a granddaughter. It's the first uh, grandgirl we've got. She's 10 years old. and uh, First time I ever had my fingernails painted and my hair done. Was my little granddaughter when she was little. Played with dolls too, guys. I, you know, it just what you do when you're a grandfather. They couldn't sit still, could they? <laughs> they was playing cards. <laughs> Mom was doing her best to get them to sit still, but listen. We need to take a lesson. One of the hardest things for me to do is stand still and let God be God. See, I'm a fixer. When things go wrong, I try to fix it. When I get in that rock and hard place situation for myself, I try to make it better. I try to get involved and try to, okay, I'm, what can I do to fix it? And really, I just need to stand back, step back, stand up and say, hey, okay, God, what do you want? First of all, I need to ask him, what do you want to teach me in this situation? God was teaching the Israelites to depend upon him. But he, he was saying, just stand still. You don't have to do anything. Trust in the Lord God Almighty. He's enough. Now, I know it's hard when, when, when the cancer diagnostic has been given. I know it's hard when they say you're end of life and there's not much more time left. I, I know it's hard, but, but keep in mind that the promised land is just over the horizon, that God has got a place prepared for us that, that eye has never seen or ear heard, and, and, and words can't even explain what He's got prepared for us. Uh, the, John the Revelator tried to explain it in, in, in human terms, and, and, and he really couldn't give it justice, could he? He said, walls of jasper and streets of golden gates of pearl and and i think that god's even done greater than that for us that we can only with our human mind come to accept what those things are in heaven but it's going to be far greater i've said for years when i pastored that we spend a lot of time at church praying for people to get out of heaven to stay out of heaven and i'm not saying that in a mean way we uh, we need to pray for people who are sick but one day I'm going to cross the river. One day this journey is going to be over. And I don't need to fear. Now, I, I, I don't want to lie and be a, you know, a, a burden to somebody. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be where I can't take care of myself. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't fear death. I just maybe fear the way I'm going to die. But. One of the days it's going to be over. I, I remember God has blessed this country. Boy, I, I grew up down the road in London on Sinking Creek Road. Anybody knows where Sinking Creek is? And uh, raised on a farm, put up square bales of hay, cut tobacco, shoveled manure. We, we did it all. Slop, my job was slop the hogs every day. That was my duty. And God called this country boy to preach right before his 17th birthday and I'm not bragging on me I'm bragging on God I've been around the world preaching the gospel I've been to several different probably on 8 or 10 different mission trips and when you see how the rest of the world lives you appreciate what you have 
I remember I went to Brazil several years ago, and we we had a construction crew and a evangelism crew, a, a teams, and and I, I served the first week on the on the construction crew and the second week on the evangelism crew, and I went to this house down a dirt road and came to a little straw hut, dirt floors. One chair in the whole house. Family had probably never seen an American in their life, and they insisted I sit in that one chair, and I tried my best to let the ladies know, oh, no, no, we want you to sit. And I think, how in the world can I complain? They're living in a grass hut with a dirt floor. She was sweeping the dirt floor when we arrived. It was clean. How can I complain, even when I may be going through the harshest time of my life, how can I complain because God has done so, blessed me so abundantly? Yeah, there's been rock and hard places. There's been times where I, I didn't know whether God was going to pull us through, but yes, he, he always does and He always will until He gets time to call us home, doesn't He? So, don't look back in fear, but look up in faith. You see, uh, have faith instead of fear. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. They that come to Him must believe that He is and that He, that he who He says He is. And we've got to, we just have to put faith in God. And, and faith is, you know, I, I like to see, but faith isn't what we see. It's what's unseen, isn't it? Do I know that I'll be alive a month from now? No, I have no idea. But I don't cower in fear, knowing, not knowing whether I'm going to be alive for a month now. I praise God that He has a place prepared for the, those who are preparing. But then, Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, look what God's going to do in front of you. I think that's a good invitation for you and I. Just, okay, God... Here's the problem. Here's the situation. You know what I'm going through. What are you going to do? It's not what I'm going to do, but God, what are you, how are you going to fix it? Now, I need to learn this lesson because sometimes I get, uh, I had a deacon at a church I pastored in Wayne County. He said he had a fall to pieces sometimes. Sometimes I have a fall to pieces when things don't go the way I plan. But sometimes I just need to sit back and say, okay, God, let me watch you work. You know, God can do a better job than you can. A far better job than I can. If I'll just let him do it. I get in his way, don't you? But, but here he, he says, don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see, you will see again uh, no more forever. But I like verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. You see, the Israelites were God's chosen people. They were special to God, weren't they? Aren't we? I dare to beg we are because Jesus died for us. The, the Son of God, God in the flesh, died for you and I to provide salvation for us, to give us that opportunity to accept Him as our Savior. And we're special because we've said yes to that free gift of salvation. 
If God is not going to do anything to harm us, all He's going to do is to help us. And some, you know, you know what a lot of the hardships we go through on this side of heaven are for? When we get to prepare us for the other side of heaven, isn't it? He's getting us ready for over there. You know what my problem is? I'm too hard-headed. I've got to learn the lessons over and over again. But look up in faith. Expect God to move. I guarantee if every one of us was in the band of Israelites there that day, none of us would have expected God to do what God did. I would have been in that throne of people complaining to Moses. I'd have been complaining too. Why in the world did you bring us out here? Look at this sea in front of us and the Egyptians. We're surely going to die. You would too. Most likely you would have too. But then God instructed Moses to do something supernatural, didn't he? He said, take your rod and strike the sea. Not a person on that seashore expected God to do what God did. And it may be that the reason we have fear is that we're not expecting God to deliver either. Our faith may be so weak that when we get in that rock and hard place situation that we, we're, we're, our faith is, is so low that we don't expect God to move. And God says, just let me show you what I can do. You've probably seen Him do it before. Moses touched the waters and you, you all know the rest of the story as Paul Harvey used to say the waters parted miracle number one you know when I was a kid I remember the Sunday school che- uh, Sunday school teachers reading the story and the, 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 the pictures of the Sunday school the parting of the Red Sea didn't look like it was much more wider than this room you know and I'm thinking boy that's a lot of people to get across well, I, I got to Clear Creek and I began to study and I, I, I read uh, about this particular story and, and uh, some theologians uh, estimate that the path that God cleared for the Egyptians was about 23 miles long. Can you imagine that? To get that many people and first miracle was a part of the water, second miracle they went over on dry ground. But to, to, to blow that ocean back or that sea back, body of water and, and to Dry that seabed up with that, that strong of a wind, 23 miles wide to get 1.3 to 3 million people across overnight. The next day, however, whenever they've crossed. You might be here tonight and find yourself in that proverbial rock and hard place and wondering, God, how am I going to get out of it? Don't look back in fear. Look up in faith. Then God told Moses to go forward. I told you this morning, I've been teaching out at King B and letters, the seven letters to the Church of Asia. I think it was the Church of Philadelphia. I'm not exactly sure. It says 
God opens the doors that no man can shut and shuts the doors no man can open. You see, when God opens the door, He expects us to go through it, doesn't He? He opened the door here for the children of Israel through parting the Red Sea and providing dry ground for them to get through. I mean, can you imagine that many people getting mired in the muck in the mire? Uh, Egyptians would kill them for sure. They'd been like shooting ducks, wouldn't they? But God says, go forward. God never promised that the Christian life was going to be easy, did he? But he's promised to go with us. Now, there's a word in the Greek language for the Holy Spirit, and it means the one who comes alongside of. And, and that's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, is when we're going through those hardships, God's walking right beside us. You, you've seen that footprints in the sand uh, picture, the poem, and when the... Lord and the person was walking together. There were two sets of footprints, and when the hardships come along, there was only one set of footprints, and the person that was walking with Jesus says, Well, Lord, I noticed when the storms come along, there's only one set of footprints. Yes, my child, that's when I was carrying you through the storm. See, God, through the Holy Spirit, comes alongside of us, uh, walks with us, picks us up and carries us through that storm. We can't do it without Him. We can't live life without Him. I've tried. It doesn't work. So, we've got to anticipate obstacles, but we also need to expect miracles, don't we? We serve a miracle-making God. I, I love reading, I'm an Old Testament buff anyway. I love World War II history. I love history of all sorts, but I love Old Testament history. I love these stories that tell of God moving in, in miraculous ways, and, and, and we still serve the same God today, don't we? Now listen, this happened thousands of years ago. Is God still the same God? Does God still have the same power He did when He was here on, the Israelites was here on the sea uh, of the Red Sea? Yes, He is, and He's still the same God today, and God can do miracles today just like He did in the Bible. We don't have to uh, uh, see that there's a disconnect because He is the same God. When God does miracles, we need to not keep it to ourselves. We need to praise His name, don't we? I think it's Second Corinthians chapter 1 that says that with, when God comforts you, you need to take that comfort and comfort others with it. And that's my paraphrase. When God does a miracle. Now, you know what happened after the Israelites got on the other side of the Red Sea? We Baptists don't like to hear it, but they sang and danced. I don't dance very good. Actually, I don't dance at all. But the Israelites worshipped God and gave Him praise for what He had just done because in their eyes they were almost dead. When God does a miracle, don't keep it to yourself. Praise God Almighty for being faithful. You see... Most often, life never does turn out the way we dreamed it, does it? I, I don't know if I told you, but I'm a planner. I try to plan things, and 
I, when things don't go according to plan, sometimes I get bent out of shape. God has a sense of humor that way, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he shows me who's really in control. But I've just got to keep my eyes on the prize. I've got to keep looking up. I've got to keep going forward. And someday I'm going to reach the promised land. Thank God. He's prepared a place for you and I to go. The Bible says, book of Revelation, there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow. I like to add taxes. There are going to be no more taxes in heaven. Yeah, it's tax time, isn't it? Uh, God's such an amazing God. So when you, you may be in the middle of one right now. I don't know. Someone said life is cyclical. Either you're going into a crisis, you're in the middle of a crisis, or you're coming out of a crisis. It's pretty true, isn't it? You, even though I love the mountaintop experiences, they don't have, sometimes don't last all that long. But when things are amok, when life seems to have thrown a curve, when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, don't give up, don't get bitter, don't curse God. Don't let fear paralyze you. Don't push the panic button. Stand still. And have faith in an almighty God that can move mountains, that can part seas, that can raise the dead, that can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, the Bible says. I'm going to ask Ethan to come. We serve an awesome God, church. Tonight, if you happen to be in one of those crises, got bad news, physically, financially, maritally, mentally, emotionally, whatever, come to the altar this night, tonight. Come and seek help from God. Say, Lord, I need you. He's all we He's all we need. He's the great I am. And just pour out your heart to Him. I guarantee you, you'll, He may open your eyes to see. You, you, you remember the, the story of, of uh, Elijah and his, his uh, uh, servant. Uh, the Syrian army, I think, had come and surrounded them, and his servant was terribly afraid. And God just said, Lord, open my servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the great heavenly host surrounding him. Sometimes may God just want to open your eyes and show you that he's got your back. You may not see that great heavenly host, but he's there. They're there. God's there. So won't you come tonight, if God's speaking to your heart, be obedient as we sing this hymn of invitation. Mm-hmm.